Oh, they'll fake it. Bates throws it. He's got him. Wide open. He's got Charlie Gant inside the 10. He can walk in. Spartans win. Touchdown, MSU. Whoa, he has trouble with the snap. And the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan Stakes. Jalen wants Jackson. And he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Green and White Noise, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. My name is Chris Vanini. I am joined by Colton Pouncey. We are your hosts. And it's time to talk about Michigan State football, new and old assistant coaches, and photographs of living rooms. Reminder, if you're uh, looking for a podcast to talk Michigan State basketball, check out The Beat with Nick Baumgartner and Brendan Quinn. They talk Michigan and Michigan State basketball very in-depth, so you check that out. But we are here to talk football. Colton, how's it going? Pretty good. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, which is very nice. It's a little little bit of a change of pace from the last month or so. But yeah, we got a new staff in place, uh, some potential new hires, a lot of angles, a lot of possibilities. So uh, yeah, it'll be fun to get into. Yeah, so we last spoke right after the Mel Tucker news uh, came down. And since then, there's there's been a lot. Uh, Vince Merrow at Kentucky turned down an MSU assistant spot. Cincinnati defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman turned down MSU. Mike Tressel and Ron Burton were retained. Harlan Barnett might be back. Chris Kapilovic will be the offensive line coach, reportedly, according to Bruce Feldman. And Jay Johnson is expected to be the offensive coordinator. So the staff is starting to come into view a bit. And so let's start there. Let's start with the new additions. Jay Johnson, offensive coordinator. He's been around a number of places. He was at Minnesota. Uh, so last year at Colorado, their offense was only ranked number 100 nationally in scoring, mm. despite having a senior quarterback in Steven Montez and a first-round pick in wide receiver LaVisca Chennault Jr. Um, Johnson said some good offenses, some bad ones. He's not really had any great ones. Um, and Nick Baumgartner of the Athletic Detroit wrote a really good film review piece earlier this week about what MSU might look like offensively and defensively. Uh, and offensively, it honestly didn't look too dissimilar to what MSU did last year. It was very multiple, a uh, lot of different kinds of formations, some tempo stuff MSU tried to do last year. And, you know, we've said on this podcast before that I thought Brad Salem's play calling wasn't the problem with MSU's offense last year. I, I thought they Definitely did a lot of things different. Colton, you looked into the numbers and things were, were really different in formations and tempo. But when reading Nick's piece, there was one line that really stood out to me. And that was, Nick says, Colorado spent plenty of time trying to gain numbers advantages in space, regardless of its formation or call. Now that is something MSU has had a real problem with for a number of years, something we've talked about something Nick has pointed out in his film reviews, and that's running to a side where you don't have the numbers or just a play that's supposed to go to that side, it's going to that side. You're not going to flip it to where you might have space. That is, I think, uh, something you want to see. It's something most modern offenses are doing these days is you find the space and you get guys in space and you make, and you let them make plays. And Colorado didn't have a ton of success at times last year doing that, but they did with, with some others and LaVisca Chenault's it's going to be a first-round pick, probably. Uh, Colton, as, as you've kind of looked into what 
Johnson does offensively. What are your thoughts on on what he's going to bring to the table? Yeah, you know, I haven't done a full dive on Colorado's offense just yet, just because I've been focusing on the offensive line and you know some other angles to the Tucker higher. But I thought Nick's piece kind of laid things out pretty well, and I got a chance to talk to him and just kind of get his thoughts yesterday. And he seems to think Johnson is pretty similar to Brad Salem. Um, I think there are some differences. I mean, like you mentioned, the numbers uh, it's kind of been an issue for Michigan State, and and plays were kind of doomed from the start last year just because Michigan State was overmatched in a lot of situations. Um, but there were some similar similarities, you know, Colorado, they operated out of the shotgun, pistol formations, you know, 11 personnel, three wide receiver sets. Um, but I think the difference is, is they were actively working to get numbers, uh, to their advantage and using motion to create space and things like that. Um, so I think you feel good about that in some ways. It's all fine in theory, but it'll always have limitations if you don't have the athletes to run the system. Um, you know, a lot of people look at Colorado's rankings from the season, you know, a hundredth in scoring 82nd total offense, but I think Tucker staff will be able to bring in more talent than what Colorado was able to work with last year. So it's kind of tough to judge based off the one year that they were in Colorado together, but I think there are some promising signs and if they recruit the way that they want to recruit, um, that'll definitely help the numbers improve. Yeah. I mean, no matter what the coaches want to do, we've already talked about how, especially offensively, it's going to be a rebuild with a bunch of new players in new spots. Um, But something else Nick pointed out um, in the game against Nebraska last year, Colorado's opening drive featured 11 personnel, which means uh, one one running back, one tight end, 11 personnel from the pistol, 11 personnel from the shotgun, uh, 12 personnel, which is two two tight ends from under center. A lot of play action. So a lot of different... It's just very multiple. You can have the same formations in different spots with the quarterback setup. So it's going to be a lot of different things. I imagine they're going to want to see what fits best with what they've got and kind of go from there. But um, as much as MSU's offense did not really improve numbers-wise last year, it did make some pretty big changes, especially later in the year in terms of trying to get guys in, in space. It just didn't work out because didn't really have the bodies to do it especially did not have the bodies on the offensive line. And that's where we're going to go next. That's been a problem for MSU basically since the almost throughout all of D'Antonio's tenure, except for like that 2013 to 2015 period when they had some NFL draft picks on their offensive line. It's been a problem. Chris, uh, Chris Kapilovich, he will take over as a coach. He turned down some bigger jobs to stay with Tucker at Colorado this offseason, and now he is uh, looks like he's following him to East Lansing. Colton... Uh, Wednesday, you just wrote a big piece about what he brings to the table to coach the offensive line. What do you make of him, and what should MSU fans be expecting? Chris Kapilovic is a pretty coveted offensive line coach. Uh, there are reports that uh, Missouri and Auburn tried to steal him away from Colorado this offseason, and he chose to stay in Boulder with Mel Tucker. I think that says a lot about what they're trying to build over there. Um, but yeah, now he joins Tucker at Michigan State. Um, you know, obviously. Jim Bowman looks like he retired. Uh, I don't know he if that did was... retire. Okay, yes. yeah. So that was confirmed. Uh, I know he put it in his Twitter bio, but it seems like that's confirmed now. Um, so he's they were going to need a new offensive line coach regardless because he couldn't take the old one from D'Antonio's staff. So getting a guy like Kapilovic, I mean that's that's a big deal because this guy has nearly 30, 30 years of experience coaching offensive lines. He's only fifty one, uh, so he's, I think he's still young enough to kind of. Uh, you know, recruit guys and, and get in their heads. And, and he seems like a, if you watch some videos of him, which I did just a little bit, but he seems like a fiery guy. 
Uh, he's going to get in your face. Uh, he's not afraid. But at the same time, he seems like all the players love him. There's some Colorado players on Twitter that were talking about him leaving and how their final team meeting, things got emotional there. So I think that shows you the impact that he made in just one year there. Um, but in terms of what he brings to Michigan State football, um, Kapilovic and Tucker kind of share this mentality when it comes to recruiting. Uh, they go for bigger dudes. And I know something that kind of irritated Michigan State fans is how D'Antonio staff would take some undersized guys and, and move them around, like a lot of guards that were trying to play tackle and things yes. like that. We saw and, that a lot this past year of guards playing tackles, guys <laughs> that weren't tall enough to play tackles. We've yeah. talked about it a lot on here. They 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 want guys who they think are going to keep growing, like a Jack Conklin, uh, but it just for the past four plus years it hasn't panned out. Yeah, I mean, you look at a guy like Cole Chewins, and that dude came to Michigan State like six eight, two hundred and thirty pounds, and it took all of five years to get him over three hundred. And I don't think that's going to be an issue here. Tucker's not going to try to build those projects. He's going to go after dudes that have the frame already that he can just add on some weight and some muscle over time. And so I think instead of waiting five years for a guy like that to develop, the, the hope is that you can get a guy that's maybe 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, uh, that's maybe 280 pounds, and get him to 300, 310. So he still adds on enough to move, but... You know, he's got the ideal frame and, and some added muscle that you put on him at Michigan State. And I think those are the dudes that he's going to go after. If you look at his Colorado recruiting classes, you know, they went after a guy that was 6'5", 300. Um, another tackle that was <laughs> a whopping 6'8", 345. <laughs> um, so they're going after big dudes. And 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 that's kind of Tucker's uh, philosophy, not just with offensive linemen, but with DB, skill players. He wants big guys that are athletic and can get out and move. And He's not really going to waste time on some projects like we saw with the, the previous coaching staff. So I think that stands out um, in terms of what Kapil- Kapilvic brings to the offensive line. Uh, if you look at what he did in just one year at Colorado, um, I look at I like to look at a lot of the football outsiders advanced offensive line metrics because I think that gives you an idea of, you know, how an offensive line is performing in different areas. So mm-hmm. one of the metrics is line yards per carry, which basically separates the ability of a running back from the ability of an offensive line. So these are the line line yards that an offensive line is producing. Uh, Colorado, which is, ranked, ba- which is basically a guy how, how much they're able to get pushed, guys where they get hit before they get breaking, and prefer you know where right. they first get hit, that kind of stuff. Right. Basically, an offensive line doing its job. Um, so if you look at 2018 before Kapilovic arrived, uh, Colorado ranked 116th nationally out of 130 FBS programs, and after his one year at Colorado. They jumped from 116 to 25th in the country. Um, opportunity, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> opportunity rate is one that you measure the uh, – it's the percentage of carries that gain at least four yards when four yards are available. Um, so that's the offensive line getting a push and creating four yards for running back and the, and the rate that they did that. Uh, Colorado was 113th, 2018, 37th in 2019. You know, so – I'm not going to go down every statistic, but if you guys check out the article, you can kind of see a full breakdown of it. Um, Colorado and all these metrics, they jumped at least 60 spots nationally in one year of Kapilovic. And that's an offensive line that had some had some guys, had some big dudes, but were, you know they couldn't obviously put it all together the year before Kapilovic came. And uh, I think you see the impact in just one year. So if MSU gets anything close to that, <laughs> you know they're pretty low in the rankings. If you look at the article, they're kind of in the 120s in some categories and I think their best category was like 96 in terms of rushing metrics. So 
if they're able to get into the 60s, even in just one year of Kapilovic, that's going to do wonders for the offense. And it's going to create room for a guy like Elijah Collins. You know, if, if he had the offensive line that Colorado had last year, he might already be at, you know, 1,200 for the season. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. instead of the 986 that he got, which is still impressive. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think he's going to help some of the skill players out. He's going to give – this offensive line is going to give the quarterback some more time to work with. So uh, a lot of a lot of things to like. Um I still think he's going to have to get in here and kind of find the best guys. You know, you have a mix of young players and experienced guys. But uh, in terms of offensive line hires, I think this is a pretty good one at this, this late in the season. Yeah, for real. And, and throughout D'Antonio's whole tenure, the, their success or lack of success was often just determined by how they were in the offensive line. Th- those best years, 2011 to 20, I guess 2010 to 2015, they were above average to quite good on the offensive line, especially in 2015 um, when you had Jack Conklin and a lot of those guys. Uh, so whatever Jay Johnson wants to do on offense, it's predicated on having a good offensive line, and that's where it's all going to start for MSU. Guys are going to have to stay healthy, unlike last year and whatnot, but I think it's a good starting spot. And especially after MSU lost out on, on Vince Marrow from Kentucky and, and Marcus Freeman, um, to, to, to know you're getting some – you're still able to get some good assistant coaches. I think was a welcome sign for MSU after missing out on a few. Um, also, another guy who retired, Ken Manny, the head strength mm-hmm. coach for 25 years. He came in under um, Nick Saban back in 1995. And I think if, if you were on Twitter at all, you saw a lot of MSU players uh, tweeting about him. So th- there'll also be a change there. Tucker will have his own head strength coach. Coming in, whenever that come uh, becomes official, so it's 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 really an overhaul here for MSU. But mm-hmm. there will be some familiar faces still around. Mike Tressel, last year's defensive coordinator, Ron and Ron Burton, last year's defensive tackles coach, uh, were retained in duties yet to be determined. I think it was a very smart move uh, for Tucker. Um, Burton has been an elite defensive line coach since he took over. 2013 it's it's probably been msu's best position most consistent position yeah uh in, in the last eight years uh it's been uh it had been reported that no assistance would be retained but it obviously wasn't true burton was actually looking at joining indiana uh but instead he will be staying at msu so that's a uh, i think a good move for msu mike trussell he's He's been at MSU since 2007 when D'Antonio arrived. He's coached linebackers for a long time. I imagine he would probably do something like that again. Um, and, and retaining some of these guys on defense makes sense. I know Tucker is a defensive guy, and it, it, we'll see how much of it is running what he wants to run versus what MSU has done before. Uh, but uh, Colton, also I guess we should say Harlan Barnett, the former MSU co-defensive coordinator and defensive back coach was at the MSU Maryland basketball game wearing some MSU gear indications that he may also be brought back to the staff, which would be three MSU defensive coaches or former MSU defensive coaches being uh, back. Uh, Cole, what do you, what do you make of, of what they've done on defense so far? Yeah. I mean, I like the fact that they retain Ron Burton. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. He's a Really good defensive line coach, specifically interior defensive line. Um, he recruits Chicago well. You know, he's, he was able to get Raekwon Williams and the Panashik brothers to come from that area and some other guys. So, uh, you know, bringing him back in the fold, I think that was a good move, especially because I believe Tucker's defensive line coach, uh, Jimmy Brumbaugh, 
Did he, he accept left. a job at Tennessee? Is that is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Jimmy Brumbaugh was uh, no longer at Colorado anyway. Yeah. So he did need a defensive line coach, and you just happen to have one of the best in the country already on staff. So I think that was a pretty easy decision. Um, one thing I thought was interesting with Trestle, because he is back in the mix, but his role is still being determined. So, you know, obviously he was defensive coordinator and linebackers coach last year. Um, I wonder if they're still trying to figure out if they want to make him a defensive coordinator or if they can get anyone else or if he's just going to go back to being a position coach. Um, I think that's still being worked out behind the scenes and depending which direction Tucker wants to go with his defensive staff. But at the very least, Trust will be back. And uh, he's a very good linebackers coach. You know, he's coached up a lot of great ones here at Michigan State over the years. Um, and then Harlan Barnett, you know, this is interesting because he was at the basketball game and <laughs> he had a big old smile right next to Trestle and Burton. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, you know, you hear reports that he he's maybe coming back, maybe working his way back. So there's some things like that that might still be being worked out behind the scenes. But, uh, you know, he's a guy that recruits well. Uh, he's a Cincinnati guy, so he's got ties to Ohio, which – you know, Tucker said he wants to make a priority, just like past Michigan State coaches. So if they can bring a guy like him back in the mix and, you know, former MC player, I think that always helps. But we have to see what happens there and with the rest of the staff. Yeah, so that, that's where MSU staff stands right now. Four spots uh, are known to be filled out of ten, so there's still a bit of ways to go on that. I imagine over the next week they'll really try to wrap it up. Um Let's talk about Mel Tucker's contract because we didn't have the actual details the last time we talked. Mm-hmm. We just knew that Bruce had reported that it was going to be doubled, that his assistant salary pool was going to be doubled. Uh, but we got we got the numbers. Uh, you you got the contract. We looked over it. Six year deal worth five point five million annually. Not not surprising. Six years is kind of what I expected. You know, when uh, when Matt Rule took over Baylor after their mess, he got a seven-year contract. You knew that long-term security was going to be something for, for whatever the coach wanted. Five, five and a half million annually, that puts him, I think, in the top 15 nationally. It's not a ton more than – it's a bit more than D'Antonio was making. Um, Tucker had been making 2.7, but uh, that's what happens when you have all the leverage. And the buyout here is, is notable. If Tucker leaves before January 15th, 2021, so if he leaves before the end of the first year of the contract, basically, he would owe $6 million to MSU. But that drops the next year to $2.5 million, and then to $2 million, to one point five and whatever. So they're, they're, that's pretty good for him if he has a really good year or two and he wants to jump to a bigger job. Uh, that buyout in year two is, is certainly... Uh, pretty easy for him to get out of. And on the other end, the buyout, if he is fired uh, with cause, or without cause, fired without cause, he would be owed 85% of the remaining contract subject to offset from another job paid monthly. That's a lot. That's that's 85% of that contract is guaranteed. Not quite Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M where the whole thing is guaranteed. But that makes the buyout after year one about $23 million subject to offset if MSU were to fire him. Now they're not going to fire him after year one for a bad year, obviously, but that's that's quite high. But that's what happens when you have all the leverage and when you've already turned them down once and they come back to you. Uh, I, I, I've heard some people say this is a lose-lose for MSU. They didn't need to pay that much. That's too much of a buyout. But, like, 
they should have paid him less. I, I mean, I'm sure they tried to. I mean, that's how this generally kind of works. I'm, I don't think they just came to him with $5.5 million off the top and, and, and went from there. Um, but it, it, it got to, again, D'Antonio put Emmys in a really bad position where they had to overpay for a coach and give him a very coach-friendly contract with, with big salaries and all that stuff. Uh, MSU is all in on Mel Tucker here uh, because they they had to be because of the situation they were in and, and where things were moving forward. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this all goes back to the timing and, and the, the randomness and the, the, the situation that MSU was in. You know, you had a legendary coach retire the first week of February and you had to scramble. And I know it's not an ideal situation, but and I don't want to say Michigan State was was desperate to find a coach in general because I think they, you know, if they had a new list after Tucker and Fickle and some guys, then they probably would have been able to get someone at a reasonable, you know, salary. But they wanted Tucker and they identified him as their guy after Fickle, and you know they had to pay up to get him. That's what he wanted. That's what it was going to take for him to leave a, a good spot. You know, he was recruiting well and building a program over there, and he only been there for one year, so it was going to take a lot to kind of sweeten the deal for him. So they had to give him everything he wanted, and. Chris, I know a lot of people are worried about the buyout after the first year. If it's too low, you know, six million then drops to two point five. I mean, in, in your opinion, should MSU fans be worried about the buyout? I mean, because Tucker has moved around a little bit, and um, I guess some fans are concerned that if he gets another job offer, that he might take it. And the fact that it, the buyout's only two and a half million after that scares them. So, what, what are your thoughts on that? Here's the way. I, here's the way I look at it. If Mel Tucker does such a good job that he gets an let's say, an SEC head coaching job after two years, that means he did a very good job. Yeah. And he left MSU at a very good spot. And he's taking over an MSU program in a very bad spot. So, obviously, MSU does not want to be a stepping stone. They don't want a waffling flake, as a, <laughs> as one trustee put it. Um, but in this situation, you like you take it. Like, you know, there is, a lot of times with group of five jobs they want to say we don't want to be a stepping stone job well then you're going to get then you're going to hire somebody you're not going to hire the best coach out there if, if you're not going to if you want someone who's going to stay and you know when D'Antonio took over MSU in 2007 they needed a guy to build a foundation they, the program was so far behind in so many things now they're up there with facilities and all kinds of stuff and now they're taking another step here so if Mel Tucker leaves after two years or three years He's probably leaving a very good situation. Probably means he recruited well and he won well. And I think you live with that. And you get out of a huge contract anyway, and you have a lot of money freed up to pay the next coach. Mm. Certainly you'd love to have a guy stick around for 13 years like D'Antonio, if he keeps winning, I guess. But um, I don't think there should be any concern about the buyout about Tucker being able to leave. Um, yeah, he left Colorado after one year after a 5-7 and seven record. Uh, but he also was leaving Colorado better than he found it. Yeah. Not the best timing, obviously, for them, but he brought in a top 35 recruiting class for Colorado uh, as, as well. Uh, so I, I think the bigger concern for MSU would be what if it's not going well and he's owed a ton of money. Yeah. That's the buyout part that I think is more notable to me. That's right. I'm right there with you, just for what it's worth. Yeah. And So there's another part of this contract, too. And that, come, that plays into some news that came out on Tuesday. So in Tucker's contract, it says that if MSU is hit with NCAA sanctions stemming from something that predates Tucker's time, the contract is extended one year 
if the sanctions are longer than a year, the contract is extended however many years that is. That is notable because Tuesday, as part of Curtis Blackwell's wrongful termination suit against MSU and D'Antonio and everybody, uh, a, a sworn affidavit and a photo were, were submitted from the mother of a, a former recruit, Dalen Hayes, who now plays at Notre Dame. And in that, there is a photo of Mark D'Antonio, Harlan Barnett, uh, Mike Trussell, Dalen Hayes, the player, and Curtis Blackwell. Uh, Curtis Blackwell is not allowed to do in-home visits at the time. This was in December 2015, uh, before the playoff game, during the winter recruiting period. Blackwell is not allowed to do in-home visits. He's not a full-time coach. It's like basic stuff, NCAA rules-wise. Some people asked, there were were no staff changes at the time. It's not like, as far as I know, he didn't have a waiver to recruit because, I mean, he wasn't replacing anybody on the staff at that time. Uh, Some people are claiming, Blackwell's people are trying to claim that this is either perjury or it shows that D'Antonio can't be trusted with regards to the lawsuit. Some people say the questions D'Antonio was asked about it were not specific enough or something. I don't know. I don't know how it affects the case. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to deter- determine that. But I do know a recruiting staffer is not allowed to do an in-home visit. And ESPN reported last night that uh, the NCAA has reached out to uh, Dalen Hayes about this. Um and we'll see where it goes. Now, this is not a major violation in itself. I'm certain a lot of other schools will take staffers into in-home visits. Uh, who's who's, who's going to know? It's not like the NCAA is following you on a recruiting visit. Um, but Blackwell's lawyers have said there is more allegations. Uh, Beekman, you know, at D'Antonio's announcement press conference when he was retiring, said Beekman said the allegations were false. Uh this seems pretty clear cut to me. I mean, again, it's not a major thing, but it's you, you can't do that. I'm frankly stunned that D'Antonio let the photo even be taken. Like, you know, you know, he's not allowed to be there. And whether and I know D'Antonio said he didn't he didn't drive Blackwell there. He doesn't know how Blackwell got there. That, that with regards to the NCAA side of things, that doesn't matter. He's there. He, he's not supposed to be there. And you took a photo with him in the photo and whether or not Blackwell is close to the family, whatever, like he's just, he's not supposed to do that. I'm surprised that D'Antonio even let the photo be taken. Makes you wonder again, if there's more coming out, the NCAA is clearly looking into it, but MSU continues to let this lawsuit play out and they're, they're letting the dirty laundry come out without settlement. This has been going on since the summer. Uh, I know Blackwell's lawyers have been admonished by the court for putting a lot of these things in the public record. Tom Mars, the, the, the famous college sports attorney, has already left the case shortly after joining it because of the way that Blackwell's lawyers are acting. And again, I don't know how this is relevant to the case necessarily or what it means for the case, but it is relevant to the football program. It is relevant to the clause in Mel Tucker's contract. If, because of this, another year has to be added on to Mel Tucker's contract, that means the buyout owed to him after year one would be $28 million subject to offset so these things matter whether or not you think blackwell has a case and whether or not you think these sensitively violations are real those are two separate issues um whatever happens with the you know they're, they're two separate things you know it's been it has seemed pretty clear that blackwell's lawyers have been trying to force a settlement by airing a lot of this dirty laundry and msu is just not going for it they're just letting all of it play out so that's where things kind of stand uh with that for now
Yeah, in terms of these, you know, the violations and what's what's to come of this, I guess, yeah, the photo here is the new thing. Uh, D'Antonio, Trussell, Barnett, Blackwell uh, in the home of a recruit. Um, like you mentioned, I, I know it's not the biggest violation in the grand scheme of things, but it would appear to be a violation. And, I mean, you can argue how relevant it is to the case, but uh, it's, it's something to watch. And, and Blackwell staff says that there's more to come. Um, they might be using this to try to, called Antonio's credibility into question. I'm not really sure what their direction is, but uh, for what it's worth, Antonio's still been around the program. Um, he, yep. was at pra- he was at practice yesterday. Uh, you know, they were doing their workouts in the uh, indoor practice facility. D'Antonio was there talking to Tucker. So he's still around. Um, he hasn't really gone into hiding or anything or, or any, anything like that. So I do think this will be interesting to follow. We'll have to keep watching and, you know, you can question both sides of this, but uh we're going to have to have wait and see how this unfolds, I guess. Yeah. I mean, wh- whether or not you think Blackwell has a case and whether or not these NCAA violation allegations are matter are uh, two separate things mm-hmm. really. Um, and, and those allegations can affect the program moving forward. So that's why we're talking about that part of it. The, 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 the law side of it. I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. It's been a really messy thing, but mm-hmm. we felt like we needed to address that. Colton, is there anything else? Uh, you had your Chris Kapilovic story. I know you've written some other things about Mel Tucker in the past week. What are some things that, that readers should check out on The Athletic of what you and Nick, I guess, have uh, coming about at MSU Football? Yeah, um, I think Nick is working on a story about you know the best young players of, of Michigan and Michigan State and kind of future leaders and things like that. Uh, I think I'll have that either – Thursday or Friday. It's coming later this week. Uh, something I'm working on, and it kind of caught my attention, kind of in the background of uh, Tucker's announcement and, and introduction, and everything last week. But uh, uh, Antoine Simmons was chosen to spoke during that yes. introductory press conference, and I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, I've never seen anything like that, having a player kind of speak on behalf of the of the other players. And yes, Simmons is a guy that I've always said is probably destined to be a, a captain at this point. Um, you know, he's been leading some of the offseason workouts, and I got a chance to talk to him a little bit off to the side after the press conference last week. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm looking forward to writing something on him, just kind of how he might be the face of this new Tucker era. And, you know, the first he'll be part of that first graduating class under Mel Tucker and how those guys are kind of in charge of leading the way um, after 13 years of, of the D'Antonio era. There's, you know, a new coach in here. And, and how do these seniors on the team kind of react to that? So I'm, I'm going to write about Antoine Simmons and kind of some of those other players that are leading this new charge. And speaking of the last name Simmons, we forgot to see this. Speaking of news, uh, yes. Jordan Simmons Jordan Simmons signed yes. with Michigan State earlier this week. He had committed back in the fall, uh, held off, didn't sign in the early period, then didn't sign when when D'Antonio stepped down. I think his brother had some kind of harsh words for, for D'Antonio and Michigan State for doing that. Uh, but... Uh, He's from Georgia, appears to have a bit of a relationship with Tucker, and he is now officially signed. So that is another – he was mm-hmm. one of the top – he's going to be one of the top players in the class, and yeah. uh, running back out of Georgia, um, who is now part of the 2020 class. Um, what do you make of that, and what, is, what does Simmons bring to the table? Yeah, Simmons is a, kind of a home run threat at running back. And, you know, Elijah Collins has some speed. Uh, I wouldn't call him a burner necessarily, but he's more of like a good vision in between the tackles runner. Um then you have some power backs like Brandon Bright, uh, all-purpose back in Anthony Williams. But I think 
Jordan Simmons is a little bit of everything, and I think his speed element is something that's kind of been missing in, in recent years from the running back position. So getting him, and, and not only just getting him, but you know that kind of opens the door for more Georgia players to kind of see if, if they can – I know MCU has recruited Georgia over the years, but if they can – you know, with a guy like Mel Tucker coming in, who was a defensive coordinator at Georgia for three years and his ties to that area, um, I really think that MSU can kind of open the door for a lot more talent from that area to come in, especially if Simmons does well and, and kind of makes a name for himself in Michigan State. So I think keeping him was important. I think uh, continuing those relationships down south are important. So, uh, yeah, getting him on board uh, does a lot of well for Michigan State. Yes, and uh, some other stories to, to... – you guys should read on The Athletic. Bruce Feldman wrote about Tucker's upbringing, how Nick Saban brought him to the MSU staff in the in, in the late 90s, why Saban wanted uh, some coaches of color to be on his staff as, as GAs and diversity in coaching. Uh, Justin Williams with The Athletic Cincinnati has some stuff on the Luke Fickle side of things about inside the process of him turning down MSU and staying at Cincinnati. So we've got this search covered on all fronts, mm-hmm. previous, coming up what to expect, all of it. Check out The Athletic. And if you've made it this far and are not a subscriber, go to theathletic.com slash green and white noise uh, for a 40% off uh, discount to your subscription. Uh, For new subscribers, that makes about 3 bucks a month. You'll get everything you could think of uh, on this MSU football front. And that'll do it here. Please uh, rate, review, subscribe. Shoot us questions on Twitter. You know, we don't know how much news there's going to be over the next month before spring ball. But tweeted us at Chris Vanini, at Colton Pouncey, at Colton underscore Pouncey. Any questions you might have, we might, we'll try to do some mailbag stuff uh, in the future now that things are slowing down a bit uh, with the news. Um, appreciate all the feedback, all the questions. We always check that out. We appreciate the support. So for Colton Pouncey, I am Chris Vanini. Thanks to our producer, Mike Zimmerman. Shout out to the road dog, Jesse James. And we will see you on the other side.